0: Check one, check two, this is Crazy Eight season Crazy. one, episode two, with your hosts Nathan, that's me.
1: And Char. That's you. Charlene, if you're being formal. Or Charlie. If you're my grandma's cat.
0: Which is named after you. Yep. Yeah, what, m- what's the connection between Charlie and Charlene?
1: Um, I don't really know, other than my great-grandpa. My grandma's dad used to give everybody in our family nicknames, and mine was Charlie. My family used to call me Charlie when I was little, Uh, and so my grandpa just changed that to Charlie. I like it. So now there's a cat named after
0: That's good. So today we're going to talk about friendships.
1: Friendship! Yay!
0: Um... Do you have a lot of friends?
1: I have. I would say I probably have. I don't know if I would say I have a lot of friends. I probably do have more best friends than most people would consider appropriate. But I feel like I choose my friends very wisely. I have a lot of acquaintances. And then I have, you know, maybe like 15 to 20 people in my life that I genuinely consider like a best close friend.
0: It's a big number.
1: I know. Well, like, I have, like, my best, best friends.
0: How many are those? Best
1: friend is not, best friend to me is just, like, a level of, uh, like, trust you have with somebody almost, I think. Like, my best, best friends are girls that I've known since kindergarten. So there's, like, three of them.
0: Do you distinguish between, like, the friends of, like, trust and deep bonds with the friends that you would, in the current time be spending most of your time with
1: I feel like for most people there might be a differentiation like oh my you know my friends from elementary school or whatever but me and my three best friends from elementary school (coughs) are still like in each other's lives like I don't see all of them all of the time but our closeness hasn't changed we've been through a lot together we've worked very hard on our friendship you know
0: yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, you have those three folks that have the deepest bonds with you. Mm-hmm. Would those also be the three that you spend the most time with no, right now? No,
1: they're definitely not. Are any of them? No. So Not right now.
0: That's what I'm getting at. Because yeah. I, I think I'm the same way a little bit. Is like I have my deep bond friendships, and it could – It's hit or miss if I'm going to spend a lot of time with them. It just depends on where we are all at in our current life. And then I also tend to have, like, cycling groups of people where a lot of my time is invested and where I'm spending just, like, the day-to-day stuff. But if I pull back and look at my life as a whole it seems to be that a lot of the day-to-day people that I'm spending my time with aren't necessarily the people that I have the deepest bonds with.
1: Yeah. I think that's pretty normal. But I also think, like, I don't really differentiate... I don't think the time is necessarily what indicates the bond, right? Like, I happen to have a very deep bond still with the girls that I have known since elementary school. But I also have really deep bonds with people that I've met in the last, like, even two years. You know what I mean? Like because they where I am right now in life and some of the things that have happened in the last two years of my life like have kind of forced like a really deep connection with certain people so I think mm-hmm. it just kind of depends the girls that I've known forever it's like it's just different it's like uh, we don't take it for granted and we put effort into it but I also just know like no matter what they'll be in my life and we've we can go eight months without seeing each other and then see each other and there's no pressure. Like it's not, nobody's mad at each other for not seeing each other more. That's just kind of the way the friendship is. Then when you have friends that are kind of more involved in your everyday life, it's kind of a different thing because if you don't see somebody for a little while, they might get upset, you know?
0: Yeah. But then, and then how do you feel when they get upset?
1: I tend to just, like, have friends that wouldn't get upset because I don't, like, I can't deal with that kind of, that's just not the kind of friendship that I'm interested in having. I would prefer to just be mature adults who understand, like, you have your stuff going on, I have my stuff going on. When we can connect, we can connect. It's a different story if, like, either person isn't, if one person's putting more effort in than the other person, then that's different, right? Like if I was c- consistently being the one to try to put effort in, and they were not interested in returning that effort, then to me that's a friendship that's not a friendship. Would like you I'm ever?
0: Would you ever actually do that? Like put
1: more friendship in them? more friendship. Put more friendship. in More friendship. <laughs> put more effort in than the other person.
0: Yeah, and if you would like no, really it's like not how? how that way. Yeah. Why do you think that is?
1: I think part of it is that, like, I'm very secure in the friendships that I have. So because I've had those strong bonds with those girls from day one, whenever I go into a new situation, I'm not looking to make a new best friend. And I have made tons of really close friends over the last, you know, years of my life. But they happen organically. It's never me, like, going out to try to make new connections and have a friend. I run into the problem a lot where I start a new job or I am in a new environment, and somebody and I become friendly at work or wherever, and they sort of think now this is a friendship that's gonna happen, whereas I'm just kind of like, you know, yes, you're nice, yes, I like to talk to you, yes, we get along, and you're an acquaintance of mine, but you're not somebody who I'm necessarily looking to invest time in because I already have my people. I think that was hard for me when I went away to college and stuff, even, because I just didn't really care about making friends. I was secure in the ones I had, and if I made friends, cool, but I wasn't afraid to just have the girls I had already.
0: Yeah, and it tends to be people like you that probably have the most friends, because it's not, like... There's no scarcity surrounding relationships for you. You have plenty, and you'll take more if it's the kind of relationship yeah. you're looking for. But if you're not desperate, it makes you an easier friend to have.
1: Yeah, the friendsh- the friendships that I have had with people where they think it's, way- it's maybe more meaningful to them than it is to me, that sounds so bad to say, but... Hmm. It just does. Like sometimes you meet somebody, and the friendship or the situation, they think more of it than what I think of it, and those eventually fizzle out because I'm I'm just not the kind of friend that they want or need.
0: Or you don't want that kind of friendship.
1: I don't want that kind of friendship. No, I don't want the pressure of like I don't. Wa- this is like so funny because when we talk about relationships, I'm always like, I don't want somebody who needs me like that. Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of the same with friendship. Friendship and relationships are, can be very similar in that way. In
0: Do you think that time? makes you? I should say, does that make us? Um, like, what does that make us? Well, I don't know. Do you? If think we're, we're not willing to way? be needed, yeah, I'm definitely in the same way. Yeah. Um, but like, if we're not willing to be dependent on and needed, yeah. Like, how deep can our relationships really go?
1: Well, I don't know cuz I feel like I am okay with it with certain people. Am I? I think I am.
0: You're probably never okay with it um if the friendship seems imbalanced.
1: Yeah, never. I'm not ever interested and in, even in in relationships too. Like I'm just never interested in that it it, that only ever leads to one or both people being unsatisfied which I've had this conversation recently with people like I've had friendships in my life that have gone from being super close where we're both like super codependent and you know we're besties we're together all the time and then something changes in the dynamic and it's no longer that way and one or the other person is putting more effort in while the other person's kind of focused on another relationship or whatever it is. And I have had to just readjust my expectations of that friendship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm able to do that. And I think a lot of people aren't able to do that, but I'm able to look at the situation and say, that person is focused on that relationship over there, or that job over there, or that change in life, the chi- like becoming a mother, whatever it is, and not take that personally. Right, And so I need people who can look at me that way too because when I'm preoccupied with something or something's going on in life, I need somebody to give me the space to just like deal with that and come back to the friendship when I'm ready. It doesn't mean that I don't love you or care about you. It just means I need to give myself the energy that I would normally be giving to other
0: people. Which is probably why it works the best with people that you've known for a really long period of time because there's been so many situations in between those relationships where um that space has been given on both sides and you both come back together and know that nothing has really changed
1: yeah either people that you've known a very long time so they understand you and they get that it's not personal so they can give you that space or people who just have a similar outlook on friendship like I have friends that I've made in the last two years that have that outlook so I don't feel pressure like if I make plans with somebody and then I'm having a day where I just don't have the energy to follow through with whatever commitment I made I have friends, pretty much only have friends now in my life where I know I can say to them, I'm not up for it today, sorry, like, I need to bail, right? Mm -hmm. And not have people be mad about that.
0: That you know of.
1: Yeah, they might be mad but not say anything to me. That's fine. Keep it
0: to yourself. But you probably have all sorts of relationships like that where they're not telling you how they really feel.
1: I'm wondering because also on our first podcast, I have shared with a couple of close friends and a, I know a couple of them, of them have listened to it and before I sent it out I said feed, like constructive feedback is welcome we're trying to learn and whatever nobody's given me feedback <laughs> <laughs> so either it's negative feedback and they're afraid to tell me or they just literally don't care either way
0: how would it make you feel if they have negative feedback and they're afraid to tell you
1: Is it bad if I say it actually wouldn't bother me that much?
0: No? That they didn't feel like they could tell you?
1: I mean, like, I guess it bothers me. It would bother me more if it was about something that matters, you know?
0: This doesn't matter to you? I mean, the podcast
1: (laughs) matters to me. It would bother me more if I was doing something that hurt them and they were afraid to tell me that, you know? Like, but about a podcast, if you don't want to share your thoughts, I'm not going to try to reel them out of you. That's not my job.
0: Hmm. So what is a friendship to you?
1: I think a friendship is a relationship between two people who meet by chance and then make a decision that they add enough value to each other's lives that they're going to put time and energy and effort into sustaining the relationship. And I think... Sometimes that can last three months and still be our super impactful friendship. And sometimes it can last till the day you die. I don't think that the length of time you know somebody or um, the total length of years that the friendship actually lasts is necessarily an indicator of the importance or the impact that it can have on a person. Seems like
0: a a very... um, like dictionary definition, like oh. super boring. Like, what really? is it to you?
1: That's what it is to me. It's people that I want to invest.
0: First but of all, but what does it don't mean to you? My answer. I didn't like That's it. What does it like? What does it mean to you? Not like, what's the definition of it? What is it like? What? How do you feel about it? Like, who? Who are these people? My friends, and the
1: people that I choose to have in my life that are my friends, like that I actually consider close friends, are basically just an extension of my family. Like I don't, I have one sister and I have a mom and dad and I have a bunch of cousins and I have family, but the people in my life that I choose to invest time and energy with, they're my family too. Like they're people that I care deeply about what happens to them and that I know, I shouldn't say I know I can like rely on them to help me. Cause I don't, it's not, I don't, I don't care at all about whether somebody can help me as a friend. That's one thing I, like, is maybe... You just
0: kind of said the opposite. Why? Like, because, like, an imbalanced or uh, a one-way relationship isn't...
1: No, but I don't... I just mean, like, I don't need somebody who's going to be able to help me, like, figure out life stuff and... I don't need somebody that I can have conversations with where I'm like, help me fix whatever's going on, problem solve with me. Like, I, I internalize all, a lot of that stuff. I want people that, like, challenge me and have good conversations and have fun and build memories with. Like, I don't...
0: I just don't even see the difference between those two things. Someone you know, that helps you and somebody who challenges you Well, well they're I helping guess. you through challenging you. Yeah, like, no, what is the difference it. here?
1: I just mean I don't need somebody who's, like... I think I don't need somebody... A friendship to me is I do not need a friend in my life to be able to problem solve my things.
0: Okay. That's fine.
1: You're so grumpy today. Am I? What's friendship to you?
0: Um, friendship to me are just the people... That's
1: a dumb explanation. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> it. Just interrupt.
0: <laughs> I at least let you finish your dumb explanation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> go on.
0: You got to take a drink of beer.
1: <laughs> Make sure you slurp that nice and loud for the listeners.
0: Uh, friendships to me are probably the source of all of my energy in life.
1: Okay. Like,
0: I if I didn't have friendships, I would have no energy to go forward. Like, I don't actually care about life outside of... The meaningful relationships that I have. Okay,
1: um, I'm going to interrupt real quick before you. go Yeah. yeah. On. See, I, for me, that I get that from my like immediate family, and it's interesting mm. because in our last podcast, you mentioned that you found most of your close ties in life through friendships and not through family. Yeah. So, so that's
0: something I actually discovered about myself in counseling. I don't. Know, did I say that last I week? We did. But just that the the ties and bonds that most people have through their families I found through yeah like I could probably I could name the four people and those were the relationships that I did. so I, I learned a pattern of that was kind of like I get my identity from that much more than I get it from like my family name or you know who my parents were or anything yeah. like that. I get a source of like like vision or like what the future is going to be like. Like if I don't have a group of like-minded friends that are with me, I have no real sense of like where I'm going or what I'm doing. Purpose. Purpose. So friendships to me are very much like, yeah, they're just the most important part of everything. Well, no wonder you everything.
1: thought my answer was stupid, but I, I did not think it,
0: I didn't think it was stupid. And when, as soon as you said you get certain things from your family Maybe when I hear friendship, I hear family, and when you hear friendship, you hear not my family. Like clearly, it's something different to there you. There is a
1: separation to me. Like I do consider my close, close friends family and an extension of my family, but it's not this to me. It's not the same thing as like my mom and dad and my sister. Oh it's yeah, very it's very different for me. Not very. I'm but probably closer to
0: my friends than I am to my family.
1: Yeah. See, and I mean. Yes, my friends probably know me on a very different level than my mom and dad and sister, right? Because you're around them for different things and you probably tell them more, especially when you're at a certain age. But, like, at this point in life, my – I don't know. It's weird. I guess my family is kind of like my friends and my friends are kind of like my family. But at the end of the day, if I knew that, like, my, my purpose or my source of, like, energy or any of that stuff was coming from where it would be coming from, like, my mom and dad and sister. Yep. Okay. why why do you think that that's why do you think that you tie your own identity so closely to your friendships
0: <clears throat> uh, I, well for me it ties back to like being a child and um, like around the 12 year old mark like my parents had some pretty significant life changes and they just were around way less and sort of just like let us kids fend for ourselves yeah. much more than we they had ever before. And at that age, I'm already starting to create some pretty significant social bonds. And so I leaned very heavily on that. Yeah. Um, and I, <coughs> I learned that that's where I'm going to get my sustenance and strength from. I'm not going to get it from home.
1: And you're the oldest, correct?
0: I'm the oldest, yeah.
1: So you were 12 and you're younger siblings would not have had the same kind of connections with peers, probably, because at, at 12, you're at the developmental age where, like, your peers are having more of an effect on you anyways than your family, but yeah, do probably you think all they ever to... felt abandoned by you?
0: Yeah, they have. They've said that. Oh, they have? <laughs> oh, yeah, very clearly. Interesting. And in a lot of ways, at that age, I did. Right, like, but you wouldn't. I, no I didn't wouldn't take know. on the responsibility at that age right. to do it. Um, like we all had we all coped in our own way at mm-hmm. that age, like I would have been twelve, sister would have been ten, my brother would have been eight. and um how we how we learned how we were going to get through would have been different for all three of us. um just partly because of our age, partly because of our personality, partly because of the people that were surrounding us. yeah, um, like a big part of the identity that I also got was from church, like i Identified very strongly as a Christian. And even though my parents stopped going around that time, mm-hmm. like, as a 12-year-old, I kept going. Right. Like, I'm going to keep going to this. Yeah. Like, I know you guys don't want to do this anymore, but this is still important for me. And so I would just keep going and stay connected to all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um,
1: so do you think that it was like a, your friendships became, like, a security thing for you? Like, you felt safe in those
0: absolutely yeah that's exactly what it was yeah to a point where I still do yeah that's still how I understand
1: well that is an important aspect of friendship being able to feel safe in like the relationships that you have with somebody
0: yeah where I think a lot of people probably have relationships and friendships that they felt safe in and their family (laughs) and mine was always sort of like despite my family so what like happens
1: to you when a friendship goes wrong?
0: <laughs> I ha- like that's where I have my version of a panic attack, and my life right. breaks apart. Because like say, like I'm thinking it was probably five years ago. One of one of like the top three, and I had he was here in Sarnia, and then he um, moved across the country. Mm-hmm. And it was like the way I processed that and the way that I well treated him and the way that I felt inside was like the equivalent of probably like losing a family member <laughs> because it was just so intense for me. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to process that. And I didn't know how to take that I felt I was constantly using the word betrayal. Like that's how it felt for that. Like really? I did not I did not do that well
1: like did something happen before he left to no make you guys have absolutely a business, nothing happened the it was act of him leaving that made you feel that way yeah
0: and like we were so close that you know we started some pretty big projects together here like we had, were talking about the future and talking about the things we were building together and then next you know he's like not here and, and doing that was something like
1: else completely not something that you should have taken personally but you did yes interesting And have you smoothed that over?
0: Oh, yeah. You can go back and listen to uh, another podcast that I was actually on where the two of us actually um, worked through that a little bit on the podcast. We didn't work for it. We were interviewed separately about the situation. And it was maybe three years after it happened. So, you know, we worked it out six months after it happened. But... You know, three years later, how we both talked about that situation was very interesting. Probably, you know, and we're very close still, and we still talk constantly, and we visit each other every year, and, and, and that relationship is still very good and important for me, um, but the processing of all that, uh, it definitely showed that I had some pretty significant attachments right. to these this idea of a friend and dreaming together with a friend.
1: How'd you realize that before? Or was that... Oh, no. Your per- okay. No.
0: This was all part of the lesson. Hmm. Guys sure. Podcast is what it was called. Guys Podcast. G-U-I-S-E. Oh. Guys. Get it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's about intimate male friendships. Cool. What's the podcast. It was pretty I cool. Okay. Yeah, it I was good. to listen to it. Should.
1: That's fun. So... How do you? It's interesting because you're a person who would say is not vulnerable. But obviously, to have that level of. I don't like to show my vulnerability. Those are people that you've chosen to share that vulnerability with, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, how do you, like, if friendship is that. It sounds so funny to say friendship. If friendship is that important to you, if friendship has that kind of effect on your life, how do you ensure that you're not going to just consistently be put in, like, situations where you're feeling abandoned by people who, because as we grow up, right, like, this is one thing I've, Really had to learn and I feel like I've navigated it, like uh, I've, I get it now. But when I was younger, like in my 20s, mid-20s, it was harder for me to understand that as we grow up, the dynamics of our friendships are going to change. And as people get married and have kids or move away or whatever, that friendship that maybe like carried you through years of your lives, it's still there, but it's, it's different. Right. And so sometimes it can feel like you are no longer the number one priority for that person because you're probably not. And that's probably a healthy thing. So if it affects you that much, how do you ensure that in these friendships that you have as we grow and change as humans, you're not consistently just feeling unanchored?
0: I don't know if I've ever figured that out how to not feel unanchored because I that I still anchor myself to relationships like that. Um, another big part of it is, and what I've loved about friendships, is they're never exclusive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it's never, I never needed to be somebody's number one. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's the smothering part. I would feel smothered by that. I don't want yeah, you that. you probably That's...
1: prefer not to be somebody's right. one. Right.
0: Similar to you, like how yeah. you say it. Like you don't want them to need you. You just want them to want you, and you want to like carry on, um, in that kind of thing. So friendships, I always felt like I thrived in because you have a gr- it's like a web of relationships, and everybody's kind of like caring for one another and as much as they can. And if you have a really great experience with one of those people in that relationship, you're not like making the rest of them jealous. Like right. it's all just like, great. Everything kind of like works together, which has always caused me to somewhat resent modern understandings of marriage because all of a sudden what that has done and most people in my circles are married. It like pulls you out of the web and into your own exclusive right. relationship where all of a sudden that is way different. Right. That relationship is entirely different. Yeah. Um, And all of a sudden you do have jealousy and you do have exclusivity and you do have, um, everything has to go through that. And they do have a number one. They don't have like this whole web that they're responsible towards anymore. And this, and being part of all these interconnected relationships, they have one person that they are responsible towards and, and their life becomes consumed by that, which is, that is how modern relationships work. Like that is what goes on. Yeah. And, um, I never, for how I was built to understand relationships and how I'm built to, um, or how I was formed as a young child uh, with all my attachment needs, was to, um, that became a lot harder. It became harder to understand the modern marriage. It became harder to understand that, which is why, like, for most of my marriage, I lived with multiple people. Because there was something about the group dynamic that I was so much more comfortable in yeah. and it felt so much more at home than I ever could with one other person.
1: Right. That's interesting.
0: Interesting, but like super lonely Yeah. and very off-putting to anyone that I would be in a romantic relationship with who right. is like... Why am I not enough for you? Why do I, you know, why do you need more than this? And why isn't this the most special thing for you? Like, Mm -hmm. why is it always the group? Why is it always, why are you bringing everybody into what's supposed to be our thing? And it just is so natural to me. I don't know any other way to go about life. You don't
1: even probably even really think about it. No. But as you're getting older and as you are more introspective and learning more about yourself and those patterns, Do you find yourself needing that same volume or amount of people around as you used to, or is that changing over time?
0: Um, I think I'm more realistic as I get older that in this society that uh, it's not a reasonable way to sort of try to structure your life. And I also am much more aware of myself that putting all those needs on a group and then on a, you know, a romantic partner or whatever is really shitty to them. Right. Um, is like, I'm basically projecting all of my social neediness on everybody else and, and expecting them to form their relationships around how I want them to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really willing to like get up and move to another city where maybe these kinds of communes or like things like that are much more common and, and make sense. So I think I've just matured a bit in just saying, like, this isn't reasonable for me to do this to anybody else. Um, and just kind of accept what's in front of me. And then learn to deal with those, the, those needs not being met in healthier ways.
1: Right. Isn't that kind of sad, like, giving up on the dream of a commune, though? cuz i'm i i think about the whole commune idea quite a bit too like where people had their own living space but you're on a joint piece of land and you have shared spaces and stuff i think there's something so beautiful about that and i it's one of those things that's kind of like it, uh, me and my girlfriends when we were younger used to talk about how we'd all have a house on the same little cul-de-sac and we'd have yards that connected and like it it, it got so elaborate that we would have a moat that went between our houses that so we could send each other notes like we had the whole thing planned out right yep. like and it's interesting because if young kids are planning their lives out that way which i mean obviously what do you know when you're that young you know nothing really but there's obviously some kind of instinct in us to live together in community like that, right? Which makes sense because tribal life and everything that existed before us. But it's kind of sad now that the general expectation is just everybody in their own little silos coming together for birthday parties or barbecues or whatever.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's super sad. Yeah.
1: But you've just accepted it.
0: I think so. I th- I accepted it a long time ago. I accepted it... A decade ago, yeah. when you just realized how repulsed most people <laughs> were at the idea of losing their privacy that way and not and it being more than just you know their their immediate family, yeah. Um, and so you know, I, I worked to with what I could get agreement on without you know, putting too much pressure on. And I think it was really good what we had. And I think everyone there also saw the benefits of it and really, like, enjoyed what was going on. I think it was good for the people involved. Um, But, yeah, I don't, like, people are so different and they have such different ways of understanding it. And we're all sort of, like, shaped by society around us and it was like people looked at what we were doing and that we only had just like a few other friends like living with us and you know a lot of people mocked it kind of joked about it yeah and stuff but yeah i i miss those times i think they were really good and i think they're really healthy for us
1: It is, I think, healthy for couples to have other people around them, too. Like, because you can't, as much as you can have a partner who's, you know, everything to you, it's not, that's not realistic, either. Like, you need more people in your life to learn more from and to grow with and to challenge you in different ways, right? I don't, I don't know that I would want to go down the path of being in a, like, ethically non non-monogamous relationship, you know, like an open relationship or whatever. Um, But I also understand that as a concept, you know, but I I think if you are a person who can have deep friendships in your life, you can have the same kind of fulfillment aside from obviously you're not doing sexual things with all your friends. Yeah. Maybe you are, no judgment,
0: but... I Like, I remember saying a long time ago, when I first started reading about polyamorous people, mm-hmm. um, for our listeners, those would be people that are non-monogamous, essentially. Um, but they would have multiple or important patient- relationships. Yeah. And I remember hearing about it, and thinking that there was something right about it Mm -hmm. like it was like I never really had the desire to it wasn't about like sexual exploration or like needing to sleep with lots of people or exchanging Mm -hmm. partners and all that kind of stuff but there was something about the um the non-exclusivity of love that like really drew me into what was going on and I there was the stuff I was reading around the idea of relationship anarchy yeah That was basically saying that, like, we don't, we shouldn't put limits on who we can love. Yeah. Um, It wasn't about sex at all because it was also, it made all sorts of room for asexual people or people that just didn't want to have sex or any of that kind of stuff. And it was just like, you love who you can love as much as you can love them kind of thing. And there's no hierarchies in that. There's no like you, I love you the most. And I put you up here and, you know, and everybody inside of a relationship anarchy circle would have these similar viewpoints about it, that there's no, there's no hierarchy of relationships. Like we all are just in this together and we're all loving who we can love as much as we can love. And I remember reading that and I, I know I was, everyone would talk about the slippery slope to that all oh, right you're just gonna all end up sleeping with each other and that's you're just gonna turn into a weird swingers club and everything and I'm like I had like zero desire to take that into any sexual way but there was something really beautiful just purely about the relationship side of that kind of yeah. way of understanding each other
1: yeah no that kind of relationship I find super intriguing as well I think it's appealing to people maybe not appealing but I think it's interesting to people like you and I because it's like t- in order for that to work in a functional way there's so much communication that has to happen and so much uh, of a, like a deep connection where you feel everybody involved is feels like they can trust everybody and that there's an open honest line of communication right yep. so it's and also it's just I think fascinating that that we can choose to design our lives how we want them to be. I think in like years past that may have been more appealing to me. I don't know if it's just like getting older or what, but now I'm just kind of like, I just want my person, you know? Yeah. And I, and probably I, I have know. such fulfilling friendships too, that I don't, it's like, I, I want like my person and then I want my friendships and I want them to be combined, but I don't, I think balancing Imagine having to balance that many like needs and feelings and emotions <laughs> at one time.
0: Well, that's why I think I think that the way our social environment shapes us is that we are led to wanting our person because we don't live in in circles where um, everybody is free to right. Like you don't have that kind of support. In fact, most people are in exclusive relationships. And as soon as one person is in an exclusive relationship, they're pulling themselves out from the whole group, right. and they're saying, "We'll participate with the broader group here and there at barbecues and you know this and that," but really, their all their commitment is with each other. Yeah. And if everyone is doing that, the person who desperately wants to um, just exist as a single inside of this larger community has a really hard time doing that.
1: Yeah. You feel on the outside of everything all the
0: time. You would have to be a super, um, wholesome, stable person who is just like, I'm, I will take whatever I can get. And that is, I am happy. But like, I'm like, I want deep connection with people. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be that one of the only ways to do that is through having your person, a significant other, that you live together and you raise kids together and you do right. that kind of stuff because we don't make space at all for that kind of depth in relationships outside of that institution of marriage yeah. or, you know, common law or whatever it ends up being.
1: That's true. But don't you feel like – I feel like as long as I can keep my fr- the friendships that I have – going then I'll I will have that even if it's not in a with my person do you know what I mean like
0: yeah and that's likely how you're surviving like if you don't have your person right now yeah and that's how I do what feel what makes on the happy. outside of
1: things a lot right now like I just feel like you know I'll go from one thing to, on a weekend I'm going you know to one friend's house where it's a whole bunch of couples with kids celebrating a birthday party then I'm out with friends that you know a few of them are coupled off and maybe there's some single people there too so that helps to even it out a little bit or whatever but I am at a point now where I'm like sometimes I go to uh, kids birthday parties or whatever it's all couples with their kids and I leave feeling sad that I don't have that you know so like I think for a long for a while I was totally okay just kind of floating in between things and that felt really good to me because I didn't have the pressure of being anybody's person and I also was in friendships where everybody really understood that I wasn't really making commitments in advance to anything and I was just kind of like freely walking through life wherever I wanted to be but now I'm at a point where I would like to find that kind of relationship again so it's an interesting place to be
0: I think I was really only single for ages like 18 to 20. And then? And then ages like 30 to 31. <laughs> and that was it. And awesome. 18 What's to 20, to I was like, I was, I loved being single. Yeah. Like I liked it. It was, life made sense to me, but I had such a stable, like, trajectory of my life. I had such a stable group of friends. Everything was, like, just in order. Yeah. And so adding a relationship actually seemed to complicate it uh-huh. and, like, take away from everything that was, like, going on.
1: Because you would have had to take time away from things that you were happy with.
0: Yeah, and, like, not everybody was in relationships. Right. You right. Know, there might have been some boyfriends and girlfriends and stuff yeah. like that. But, like, like for the most part, the norm was, you know, you just what's the next great thing that we're going to all do together and then everyone just goes and does it. And that's how we lived our life, and that was really good. By the time you're 30 and all of a sudden you're single, like, you really have to pave your own path for all the great things you're going to do. And I can do that to a point, but I'm not going to, like, travel alone. I'm not going to do... Yeah, like, it's just not it, as exciting. you have
1: traveled alone, have you not?
0: Uh, that's not? That's maybe a whole other podcast, the one okay. time I tried to do that. Okay. I could explain it pretty So it's quick, not a
1: – like, I think it's insane when people go and travel.
0: I alone. can't travel alone. I don't understand the I, desire. I'm I, angry at myself that I can't. Yeah. Because So too. much so that I tried to do it, and then I ended up – I basically end up completely crashing. My body shut down, and I ended up just like – rotting in a hostel somewhere shitting my pants and (laughs) i ended up booking in costa rica Um, and i ended up booking a flight home way earlier just to find human presence of people that i wanted to talk to and not just like punk kid travelers that were going around costa rica all that to say when you're 30 and you're single it's entirely different because everyone's hooked up kids are all over the place and is you you feel the loneliness so much more like yeah. intensely? You do.
1: I feel though, like I embrace the lonely moments, but I uh, maybe they've just been getting more so. Maybe just like once I have gotten to a place where I'm ready to find somebody, then now when I hear feel the moments of now when I feel the moments of loneliness, it's not like okay, this is just you know. My time to be with my thoughts and Zen out a little bit and think about life and where I want it to take me. It's like, okay, this is getting old, you know,
0: Hmm. like you're getting bored with yourself.
1: I'm just, it's not even that like, I know that I would be okay alone forever if that's how it worked out. Like, I'm not going to, that's not going to kill me, but I love the idea of having a partner. So that's what I want.
0: Yeah. That's good. Because I don't ever want to be alone, ever. Yeah, so. no, I
1: know you, I, we're different like that. Like, yeah. you can't be alone. No. Yeah. I am so grateful that I'm able to be alone, and this is probably, well, I don't know. This might not be worse, like, for you than it is for me, but I, I like, even in the last couple of years, n- there's been times where the draw of trying to date or be se- with somebody or have somebody in my life was strong. But I also knew that it was just because I didn't want to be alone and that I was very vulnerable to end up with the wrong person just for the sake of not being alone. And I've done that before, like in earlier years and ended up in situations with people that I should never have been dating, but just because like I wasn't okay with myself and I couldn't be alone. So I'm so grateful that at this point in my life, I'm okay on my own enough that I will not be in something unless it unless it adds value, right? And, mm-hmm. like, even the dating situations that I have had over the last little bit, I obviously, like, give time for things to kind of unfold and see what the potential is and whatever. But as soon as I know that it's not going to go to the place where I'm looking for something to go, I'm not investing time
0: in it anymore. Yeah, it's good.
1: I ain't got no time to waste.
0: How how would you like when do you know when this isn't going to go somewhere and how far would you go with somebody before you made that decision
1: how far would i go with somebody as in the bases or
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know the answer to that one (laughs) how Um, how how much time
1: would i invest
0: how much time but also like all of a sudden like what happens if you're like going and things are good and you're like you're all in like you're ready to do this and then new information comes to the surface or something and do you just like switch gears and you're like ah fuck it I don't want that relationship anymore
1: I can flip a switch real quick like this. that's has what happened. I'm getting at yeah this so, has happened to me with people before in the past where I'm like super super into somebody and like conversations going great like you know at the very beginning stages of getting to know somebody, conversation's going great, whatever, and then I find out one piece of information and I'm like, Okay, well this isn't gonna work. Bye. Like I'm really? not Yeah. Because I I know how I am and when I fall in love with somebody, then I'm screwed. Like
0: So then like there's no flipping the switch back once you fall in love what with it someone. Is. Like if they obviously significantly change and
1: yeah if they became right. somebody that they were not when I fell in love with them then that's something or like no if I've fallen I definitely have fallen out of love very quickly with people too like mm. if I'm in love with somebody and then all of a sudden something shifts for me and I have a realization of some sort or they do something that I don't like anymore or whatever I can turn it off really really quick
0: like it's scary quick and do you feel bad?
1: Um, I do feel bad yeah Hmm. I feel bad if it hurts them if they don't care like if it's just a well, they don't then care don't then bad. good thing you right. did it then yeah, yeah. But yeah obviously if they're I, hurt I, by I always feel bad if I hurt somebody's feelings but no sometimes the way that I like th- this is not how I am anymore because I feel like I have l- I'm I have grown a lot in the last few years and I just know myself way more so I feel like I'm on a different level now but back in the day when I was young and just like out for a good time and, like, falling in love recklessly and stuff, I left people in my wake because, like, I would I would have really intense feelings or situations with somebody and then very, like, almost sociopathically just gone. Like, no more feelings. I'm not interested anymore. I just – you're not the one I want to be with anymore.
0: I wonder if that's an eight thing.
1: Can you do that too? Just, like
0: – I do. Like, I – I think I'm very capable of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I really have a history of it, mm-hmm. but I can like, I know in a, a few situations where I can flick, flip a switch and that scares me that I can yeah. do that because then it doesn't make me trust how I'm ever feeling. Right. And then I, that's why I, it's probably actually one of the things that has forced me to become so analytical is that I want to like lay out all the things logically yeah. and not depend on the switch being flipped one way or another because I can't depend on that at all because all of a sudden it could switch and I don't even know why sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's like nothing new changed yeah, and all, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just like... You just woke up
1: one morning and you're not interested anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: a weird thing. It, it is. It is weird.
1: But I feel like when that happened when I was younger, it was because I was... Addicted to the feeling I was getting out of the initial mm. situation, right? And now that I'm old, like the in love feeling, like yeah, not even like in love, but like maybe I just like who I am in the beginning of a relationship because they haven't seen my
0: so th- maybe the flip is the flip is being switched. The switch is being flipped because it's getting to a point where they're going to discover something about yeah, they're you. They're
1: going to see the real me, maybe. I mm. don't know, but that like I've done so much work on myself since those days that I don't. That's not a thing that happens for me anymore. Now, what I really have learned to pay attention to is the like physical signs that my body is showing to me. Like even the last situation when I was trying to date somebody. When I look at it now, I'm like, okay, that was clearly not the right situation because I was anxious every day, all day about the situation. And now looking back, I'm like, okay, that was a sign that like, it wasn't a good, that wasn't good. You shouldn't have to feel that way while you're starting to try to date somebody, especially when that's supposed to be the fun time. Right? Yeah. And like, yes, I am the type of person who can be in my own head and kind of examine things and... And I can drive myself a little bit bonkers in that way, but not, like, now I'm like, okay. And that was my first, like, foray back into dating after two years of not dating at all. So it's just, like, a good reminder that I need to trust how my body is reacting because that's not, I don't think that's normal to feel that way.
0: Hmm, It's really interesting. Like, it does bring me back to wondering, like, what are friendships like these significant other relationships are a form of friendships but so why is that
1: they're all just a reflection of us and what we want to feel about ourselves though like all all And so the
0: romantic ones are more um like why are those usually the ones that have switches
1: the romantic ones
0: yeah like we don't do that with friends
1: I'm wondering for me if it has to do more with feeling like in a romantic relationship situation, there's more of an expectation that you're going to be that person's person.
0: Yeah, there's a lot at stake. It's
1: pressure. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's honestly like that. It's I'm not I don't ever want to have like a real wedding again. Like even the thought of having a real wedding where I have to be the center of attention and do all of that stuff again makes me sweat. Like I don't there's nothing about that that I would enjoy. Yeah. It's too much pressure. No. And relationships in general, like I think that is part of the reason why I it's it's it is hard sometimes for me to think about long-term being with somebody in that way just because it is it's a big commitment. And like friendships to me are a commitment too, but at the end of the day, you don't have to get a divorce if you guys stop being friends. It's not, like, as shameful for that to end. Like, it's sad when a friendship ends, but it's not like, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? They're getting a divorce, like... And also, like, I'm not raising children with my friends. Like, it's... There's no zero
0: institutions built around friendships, and they're all built around those kinds of relationships.
1: Which is interesting, because realistically in our lives... For the most part, our friendships, if we have good, lifelong, long-lasting friendships, are going to be the things that carry us through the worst and the best times of our lives. Yeah. Right? Like, the, the relationships come and go.
0: But maybe it's the formalizing that actually... Um, Ruins it? Sets it up for failure, maybe. Maybe, because it clearly doesn't ruin all of them, but it... I don't know, the rate of failure is well, quite high. it ain't good. Um, where, with friendships... Like there is less formalizing and institutionalizing and yeah you know building contracts around what this all should look like. so the pressure's off and people are more free to just be themselves. yeah, but then as soon as you enter kids into that situation, th- maybe the formalizing actually does protect them a little bit for when um, it makes everything more serious and it makes. Yeah, but, like, even then, like, how did that work out for you?
1: You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter whether there's kids involved or not. A marriage is going to end how a marriage ends.
0: Yeah, I think I'm just questioning out loud right now the entire legitimacy of marriage.
1: Oh, that it's not. It's not legitimate, though. But but maybe there is a
0: legitimate piece to it because it does... Bring some stability for when it does work it makes it way worse when it's not working
1: but but that but that stability would be there when it's working whether there's a piece of paper signed and a white dress worn or not like if my parents had never ever gotten married but they had the same we were parented in the same way and we had the same family unit the fact that they were Married or not married, don't you think that would be irrelevant to my sister and I? Or do you think in a child's mind, it's, I mean, not, it's not the
0: individual, it's the whole world respects a husband and a wife. Well, yes, or, uh, but that's just how now some really of us respect it. husband and husband or wife and wife, but like the whole world respects the marriage, Our partner and partner, partner. Um, and when the world is respecting it, it kind of Like, most of these relationships are just social construction, so it's sort of legitimizing it. Well, yeah, but don't you
1: think our generation is slowly dismantling all that shit?
0: Yeah, and I don't necessarily know if for the better. You don't think so? I think in some ways, for sure. Um, Especially in the ways where it's saying, you know, don't tell us who we can legitimize a relationship with or not. But I do think that there is something about the wedding that... Uh, I don't wanna lose like communi- the community ceremony of it. Yeah, community coming around and supporting these yeah. two people and in, in doing this life together. Um but but maybe but because of how society is also structured, holy shit, that's a ton of pressure yeah. now. It's like, okay, we all showed up one day, we had a big party, you're on your own now.
1: Good luck.
0: Where, you know, in societies where families are much more tight knit and where you know younger couples might end up being attached to the house of the mm-hmm. older couples like there's there's so much more to a marriage than and just like you two ahead. are in love with each other now forever now yeah. figure out what it looks like to navigate this world yeah. they're they're thrown into a whole world that is just very different than ours yeah um and so maybe our world now is not it's not very beneficial to have those kinds of structured marriage relationships well i
1: just think our consumeristic culture has taken over the the sacredness for lack of a better word of um of marriage and turned it into a multi-billion dollar business and so now women and men feel the need to and people feel the need to Like, spend all this money on this one day and get this dress and this ring. And if your ring is only, you know, so big, then it means he doesn't love you as much. Like, the whole thing, all of that is bullshit. So, Mm -hmm. maybe what I'm saying isn't actually that. I don't disagree with marriage. It's, like, the, the way that weddings and that whole part of it have gotten crazy. Yeah, I agree. I like agree I with think that. there is something really beautiful about standing in front of the person you are choosing and your family members and saying like we're committing to this life together. We want you guys to be supports to us. There's a way of doing it that's very honest and real and true and beautiful.
0: Yeah, like I've ministered at a few different weddings before um and you know how you have the vows, but I always did a vow for the community as well that yeah. they would commit to you know, upholding that relationship. But to go on with sort of what you were saying earlier is I do think because we're kind of like shrugging off traditional ideas of marriage, one of the things that I have found that is very beautiful within modern versions of relationships is sort of like that modern family where you have like co-parenting. Yeah. And what ends up being is like the stability and that piece that everybody's focused on is like the health and the raising of the children. Yeah. And you actually start to... Uh, see some pretty cool things mm-hmm. come from that where adults put their relationship issues aside yeah, for the sake of the attachment and the health of, like, raising their children. And yes. I've seen that happen um, in many different circumstances. And I think that that is so much healthier than children being raised in a really toxic marriage oh. and and for not sure. being... And sort of just trying to stay in it because they feel the guilt and the burden of, like you know, leaving uh, a relationship and all these kinds of things. And as long as like if the children become the focus of everything and not the staying together, which I think is how it's been um, historically, then I do actually think that that's a better future.
1: Yeah. Kids just need to see happy parents. And if they're together, they're together. And if they're not, they're not. But I don't think, yeah, kids growing up in an environment where their relationship is toxic and they're seeing that is way worse than, and co-parenting together hopefully is like a really good growing experience for both of the parents too, where then they might grow a little bit and be even better examples for their kids. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Because you have, in order to put your own stuff aside and focus on the kids, there's a certain amount of introspection and growth that has to occur for each of the parents too. Yeah. And the kids seeing that is a great example. Yeah, so when yeah, people yeah. can do it and make it work, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's something I admire. Where yeah, like I I don't think it's easy. I was in I was talking to someone fairly recently and they were kind of like mocking that kind of arrangement. Like it was bad for the kids. Oh. And I was like, no, but think about the alternatives. Right. Because all of the alternatives is bad for the kids. Yeah. But this one is actually about like, it's all about the children and what's best for them. Yes. Like, where, you know, a marriage needs to split up, but the kids stay in the same house, and then, you know, one partner might stay there for one week, and then they move out, and then the other partner moves yeah. in there so that there's that stability so and crossover for kids. And when you see that kind of thing, the only thing that would say that the other the alternative is better for children is one where they um, are putting the romantic staying together of the partners on the pedestal and saying, this is the ultimate thing that, that we're supposed to all be focusing on right now is saving this relationship for whatever reason. And I kind of like that yeah. we're not focusing on that anymore. This would be another good podcast topic for us is children. Yeah. Kids. Rearing children, Kids. but we're, we we're down? about at our hour. Well, we're okay. over now
1: before we um get off of the podcast. I just have to tell you, like, I've just been trying to keep notes whenever I notice something that happens that I'm like, Nathan might be able to relate to this. (laughs) So (laughs) twice in the last, like, two weeks, I've been in situations where I'm in a group setting and I'm at a table and there's conversation happening that I want to be involved in because I'm me. (laughs) And then the person sitting next to me starts a side conversation with me and I cannot handle it. Like Oh, because you're trying to stay focused on the group? I'm trying Okay, so originally I thought maybe this was like a s- audio-sensory thing because I do sometimes get overwhelmed if I'm in a environment where there's too much happening. It's hard for me to concentrate on a conversation. But in this case, what I've really noticed is it's actually that I am i don't really care about whatever this person's trying to talk to me about. <laughs> I want to continue being a part of the group conversation because it was more interesting to me if I'm being completely okay, honest. Okay, that makes sense. So this person is trying to talk to me, and in my other ear, I'm still trying to like keep – in the loop of what's happening to the rest of the group. Yep. And both times in my head also I'm thinking, "Shar, you're such a dick like just this person clearly wants to talk to you about this <laughs> thing, like just focus and act like you care." And both times afterwards I was just like, "I wonder if that's an eight thing or if that's just a Shar thing."
0: <laughs> it's funny. We should have a little in the break. We should yeah. have these little moments. Thing or shower thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if someone was bothering me like that, I'd just be like, hey, I'm paying attention. <laughs> like, I don't even think I would think twice about stopping somebody doing it, or I would actually just completely ignore them.
1: I just try to wrap it up and, real
0: quick. And and yeah, because you're trying to be nice to that person, but you're also and that want, person not was also kind of out.
1: drunk, so they weren't really noticing that I was. just <laughs> <They> like, <laughs> were <laughs> drunk.
0: Yeah, that is way worse in like the party i was picturing it being like you at work or something like that and sitting no. around a table this is more it was like a table social at, thing.
1: at the at the brewery Oh. so there was like maybe eight of us sitting around that
0: happens to me every once in a while theology on tap mm. <laughs> um because someone like i might be listening to a whole conversation this happened to me on wednesday and then one person just says oh hey nathan and then And that's kind of the way theology on tap works is you're allowed to interrupt um, and you're allowed to pull people out of conversations and stuff. But you're also not, the main rule is you're not allowed to have your feelings hurt if someone leaves a conversation. So it happened once and I just said, I am going to pay attention to this conversation. I got up and I sat somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think I do relate with not wanting to be distracted from the thing that I'm more interested in. I think that's the main thing it is. Because if that was in school, I'm generally not interested in what the teacher is saying or something right, like that. Right, like, and tell me all the juice, yeah, girl. Like, let's talk about something else yeah. entirely. Let's make jokes on the side. So yeah. probably I'm constantly prioritizing where my energy and my focus is. And I would get frustrated if I can't focus and put my energy into the thing that I want to in that moment.
1: Right. Yeah. Maybe that's just it. But, man, it drives me crazy. <laughs> just let me be a part of the crowd.
0: That was good. Well, well
1: uh, we should probably let people know that we did make that email address. Yes, we did. What's it called? Crazy gmail.com. That's right. So if you have things that you would like to hear us talk about or things that you would like us to shut up about, please feel free to send us an email. Oh, no. <laughs> and give us some feedback.
0: If you, Or if you know someone care. that we should interview. Yes. We will do it.
1: It won't always be just us, so don't pay. Until then, don't be assholes to each other.
0: Goodbye.